are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, how is everybody doing? Uh, Locked On Browns, guys, we are back. First day of camp opened. Uh, guys, look, I do want to apologize. The hiatus, I never intended for it to go this long, but between my wife's work schedule, two daughters, and I had to adjust my own personal work schedule, kind of just ended up to a little bit of a dead period, but uh, look, we're here. We are back, we're locked in and ready to roll. We're gonna get on this crazy ride from now until wherever 2018 takes us. Obviously, you know, everybody, you know, some have bigger dreams and huge aspirations. Some of us just trying to hang out and stay in check and understanding that still going from one in 31, the journey could be a big one. I, I mean, could be small steps towards a greater, larger steps. Just stuff that we're gonna look at in that way. Um, guys, one of my you know my favorite guy to have on is always Pete Smith. So Pete's here with us tonight. Pete, you big old Grinch. Please tell me at least getting out of the house doing something besides football to enjoy the summer a little bit, bud. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could say I was doing more than that, but that's basically it. But you know, first day of camp. Uh, you know, I've only seen a few hazy clips. I was not there, but based on those clips, I'm pretty sure we can already say Baker Mayfield is the greatest quarterback in NFL history. You know, look, obviously, you know, he's going to, you know, LeBron left. Somebody's got to continue to get this, you know, the stench off this franchise and become the new king of Cleveland. So, I mean, there's no reason it can't be, you know, a short little six-foot kid from Texas made his way from Oklahoma up until, uh, you know, the, the uh, to the land. So, look, uh, you know, and you know, I guess, you know, I do want to get to Josh Gordon. And, look, the plan may be, look, Tyrod, 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 Tyrod. We want to sit Baker. We want to sit Baker. And Baker Mayfield may sit there. And shake his head and say, guys, yeah, I understand. That's great that it's your plan. But I'll tell you right now, I don't think Baker Mayfield's going home at night, sitting down with his fiance, and saying, ah, I'm fine if I don't play until November, honey. It's cool. I don't really care, right? I mean, I don't think it's going that way at home. Well, he basically addressed it. He said he, he can't think of himself in terms of being a backup. So, I mean, that's always his mentality. So, he's not really a backup so much as I, he's in chase mode. But, look, the bottom line is... If you had a choice, would you rather Mayfield is good in camp or bad in camp? And today, it's, at least it sounds like he was very good in camp, and I'll take as many of those days as I can get. And that doesn't mean he needs to necessarily start right this second, but it's just good to see a guy go out there and throw some balls and light some guys up. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, he, he, he's he's ready to go. Uh, you know, there's no question about the work ethic. There's no question about you know the time he's putting in. Uh, you know, he's it, it's going to take it, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take an awful lot. To keep him off that field because he's he's going to be ready and you know it, it may be a situation where you know a lot of times with young quarterbacks we talk about oh they're put on the field before they're ready Baker it's probably going to be a question of he gets on the field after he was probably deemed ready um, but here still the big elephant in the room here um, took everybody a little bit by surprise uh, Josh Gordon look look it's tough is it a blow of course it's a blow. Uh, you know, everybody's aspirations were up. I mean, the guy looks phenomenal. You know, we see the videos of the workouts. Um, but obviously, you know, he came to a point where he sat down and said, look, you know, I, I don't know if my head's ready to be where my body is, which is understandable. And that's where we got the news that we, you know, came down a couple days ago that, you know, Josh Gordon's going to take a little time before he's ready to start his 2018 season. Well, look, it's frustrating from the standpoint of he's not there and everybody wants everything to go super smoothly to start out training camp. Uh, but, you know, and, and we're working on limited information. Uh, 
So, I mean, at this point, all you can really say is he hasn't tested positive, or at least that's where we're at right now, and all he's doing is taking some time to make sure he's going to stay where everybody wants him to stay, and I have no problem with that. I'm all for it. The fact that this sounds like it was an issue where he's proactively saying he didn't feel like he was going to go the right way and is taking steps to make sure he does, and and look, this is life with a guy who's trying to be a recovering addict. That's how this is going to go. You know, the thing I'm curious to see is how long an undisclosed amount of time is, because it's not, you know, if he didn't have a huge setback, I don't expect he's going to be gone for 30 days uh, like he was the last time, and this is, you know, this could be like a week, it could be even a couple days, it's just a question of what he feels like he needs to do, but you know, given the number of cart reports we've seen, and you know, maybe they're cramps, like Hugh Jackson said, maybe there's something more serious. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not too upset that he's not out there in a position where he's going to get himself injured, and we know what he can do when he gets on the field. Uh, just get him the ball, and he'll he'll be all right. Yeah, and look, guys, many times we've discussed Josh Gordon and the the issue here. And you know what? You know some people may fail to ignore is Josh Gordon's going to be an addict till the day he dies. Once you're an addict, that's that's something that you are. You may win the bet. You know Josh Gordon could go on, live to 75 years old, and never have an issue again. But he's still an addict. Uh, you know my, my father-in-law was in AA for over 30 plus years until he passed. But it's it's you know went to five to six meetings a week. You need to continuously work on your sobriety. Um, now, what would have now what would have been everyone's reaction if Josh Gordon had slipped up? And now, you know, oh, uh, screw him, this, that, and the other thing. But for Josh Gordon, that's it. Life is over. What is Josh Gordon going to do if he cannot go play wide receiver in the NFL? There's no fallback option for him. Um, obviously, now he's getting to a point now where you know he's going to need a contract this year. Things of this nature. I mean, a lot of this weighs on a guy with his age, with his struggles. And if he, if it, for him it was, look, let me take the time out, clear my head, get my head right, so I'm 100% committed to my sobriety and football at the same time. He needs a per, per, perfect marriage of both. And look, it's tough. And look, I, I mean, how many, you know, we see now with camps opening up, you've seen some players, uh, head's not in anymore, I think I'm going to retire. You know, these are guys a lot younger than Josh. So it, it's, it's a lot to work on. You know, obviously we'd like more information. But uh, and you people who want more information, uh, I suggest you Google, you know, HEPA laws and things of that nature. We're not entitled to this information. Nobody's got to tell it to us. Uh, you know, he is. He works for them. They have to protect him for this. So I mean, if if you want more information, you're not going to get it. You don't deserve to get it. It's the freaking law for Christ's sakes, guys. So just let it go. Like Pete said, I don't think we're seeing Josh going off to do a 30-day program. Could he show up? maybe by week two of the preseason games after doing 14 days if he feels much more better inside obviously the outside of josh gordon is phenomenal the inside is what you're going to question as he deals with his sobriety battles you know day in day out most likely until the day he dies um one of the bigger things that we're going into camp here i i wanted to hit on was joe thomas's comments on austin corbett um the fact that he never believes he'll be a left tackle in this nfl it's a tough pill to swallow because I may have some questions about the pick, but go ahead uh, Pete, you know, Austin Corbett um, obviously maybe destined for interior O-line, but so go ahead Pete, take it from here 
Well, I mean, when when the pick was made, this is where most people thought he was going to go. He's going to be a guard center. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Joe Thomas went public with this, since he's technically, uh, you know, an ambassador. Part of the, yeah, but he's also, you know, kind of a coach at this point. Like he's working with guys. It's not like he's just popping off. Like he's worked with some of these guys. He has a sense of how uh, these guys are actually doing. Um, I don't know how much of this is truly about Corbett as much as there's – my understanding is there's no bigger booster for Sean Coleman and Berea than Joe Thomas. And he loves Sean Coleman, believes he can be, you know, a really good left tackle. Uh, but, you know, when the pick was made, uh, I thought interior guy, and that's what made it sort of, I guess, initially frustrating that it wasn't a guy like Connor Williams or – Will Hernandez. Or, 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 yeah, Will Hernandez or, or a truer, more natural position. But the worst case scenario is Austin Corbett is a really, really good sixth man offensive lineman, and he's probably going to end up being the future right guard of this team, maybe the center, but I, I would put more on right guard, uh, ultimately taking the uh, job of Kevin Zeitler when they decide to part ways with him in, my guess, two years. Um, but this is. This is sort of what Dorsey does, is he just wants to get a, five tackles up front. He likes to get at uh, a bunch of guys on the roster. He wanted to eliminate the issue with depth where you're going from one injury to Spencer Drango type deal or you know Zach Banner at one point last year, and you actually have more than five credible linemen. And obviously there are more than a few people who are worried that the Browns don't even have five credible linemen to start the season, but uh, you know, this doesn't surprise me. They The Browns are still working Corbett at tackle. I think he was the third string left tackle today. Um, I don't think he you know, can't play it, but if you're saying, where is he going to be best utilized, I've always viewed it as, as guard or center. Uh, well, now, now here is also kind of my thing. Um, you know, it, it's going to leave open the question of, you know, still, does Joel Batonio kick out and I don't know. It just seems that that's something we would have seen a lot earlier than we've seen, you know, you know, to to this point. I mean, it should have been something that maybe was looked at in the spring. Um, now you brought up the potential of right guard. Now, this is kind of where my issue is going to be. If you're going to draft a right guard at pick 33, he should be your day one right guard. So, and look, maybe this is still the Harold Landry disappointment in my body, which. I'm never going to let go, guys. Harold Landry is going to go on to about 70 sacks in his NFL career, and I'm going to remind you guys of it every time. So I do have that problem, and especially if he's only going to, you know, I, I, I understand that he should probably shouldn't start from get-go. There's probably five guys probably better than him right now. But, you know, I still it still you know brings some hesitation and pause when a guy like Joe Thomas says this. Now, as far as the left tackle position, obviously we all know Sean, Sean Coleman's getting the first crack at it. I think we're going to find out more about who our left tackle is through practices than we're going to find out in preseason games because Miles Garrett is just, you know, I mean, there's, you're going to find out who the left tackle is probably by who can handle Miles Garrett practicing, practice out, or at least show some semblance of being able to handle him. You know, and that's how we're going to get from there. I mean, these guys may get easier breaks in preseason games than they're going to get from practice every day going against Miles. Well, it's interesting that. Sean Coleman, what he does best right now is he's a big, bad run blocker, and he's looking to maul people. And if you hand the ball off a lot, which the Browns should do, that plays to his strength. Who's right now the 
primary competition to uh, Sean Coleman. At least theoretically, they're making it sound like it's Greg Robinson. What's he do best? He's a mauling, run blocking type who's always struggled pass protection. I've always, I, I, I think he's a better guard at this point than he is a tackle. But that seems to be what they sort of want out of this group, or at least right this second out of what they have. Um, I'm curious to see if a guy like Christian Delaro or uh, the, the dude out of West Texas saying him or whatever that, uh, you know, the Desmond Harrison. Harrison, Desmond Harrison, when he gets, comes out PUP, can sort of make a little noise and sort of supplant Robinson. But at least right now, they have a couple of just mauler types, uh, which at least should. Uh, suggest that the Browns are going to run the ball uh, and maybe run a lot of play-action type stuff, which at least would be a good use of those guys' talents. Especially if Tyrod Taylor is, you know, the quarterback, you know, from jump. Um, Desmond Harrison, the name you brought in, I, I'd love to get a weight of what he came into camp in because obviously that seems to be the, the issue with Harrison and whether or not, you know, you're going to be able to view him as a potential guy who can play left tackle. So those are interesting things to monitor there. Uh, guys, uh, yeah, obviously you're listening to Lockdown Browns. I have Pete Smith here joining me here this evening. Obviously, camp is now in full swing. Uh, guys, check out John Ledyard, uh, Trevor Sakema, uh, doing great work over at Lockdown Draft. Guys, it, it you know college football is I, I think 30 something and change days away. So John, Trevor, uh, obviously with uh, the, the the launch of the Draft Network coming in early August. John, Trevor, way ahead of the game. Got a lot of stuff for you. So anything you need, go ahead and check out Lockdown Draft over there with those two guys. Now, Pete, uh, we're, we're hearing, it, it seems a little strange, because, you know, th- there was some emphasis on, you know, trying to change the culture and, you know, who's brought in here to play. You know Dorsey's going to take a swing or two on a couple of guys, problematic within the draft, obviously, Antonio Callaway, etc. Um, but now, you know, a name that doesn't seem to be going away, and maybe this is with, you know, a Ricardo Lewis injury, maybe it's with a Josh Gordon, you know, basically stepping away for a cleanse. Now, you know, a uh, fifth-round pick, uh, sixth-round Damian Ratley, obviously, with his injury today. Des Bryant, a name that's not going away. And then Pac-Man Jones, of all people, coming in tomorrow for a workout. Because um, anytime you got a chance to have 75 cornerbacks on your roster in camp, by all means, you got to jump on that, no? Uh, Pac-Man first. It feels like, you know, this is, old, you know, a old buddy giving a guy a shot. Uh, obviously, Hugh Jackson knows him uh, from the Bengals. I hope that's all it is. Uh, Pac-Man is still pretty good, unfortunately, that he's good enough where people keep looking past his many, many, many issues off the field, and most recently another one uh, in an airport of all places. Uh, I would hope that it doesn't go any farther than that. Obviously, the Browns have a million corners anyway. I don't know why adding an old slot corner is going to help at this point with what you have in here. It feels like a favor. Des Bryant... You well, know, before, you get, before you get to Des, um, airport employee, you tried to square up with Pac-Man Jones. What in the hell did you think was going to happen, dude? This guy has no bones about throwing down with anybody. So congratulations. I, I hope you got your 15 minutes of freaking fame on video, but uh, you kind of got what you had coming to you. Des Bryant. Well, I, I, I'd like a full, I'd like a documentary on the whole thing. That that the incident fascinates me to no end. It's not, you know, the strip club thing sort of tells it's you, you can easily figure out how that goes. I want to know how you go from the airport 
to somehow dealing with an airport employee long enough to then find a way to get into a fight it's just I, I can't it, it's so fascinating I, I'd love to know more about it uh, throwing, down, th- throwing down your bag of Popeyes throwing off your backpack and just going to work with your girl I mean I, I, it's absolutely I mean if anybody and I'll tell you what anybody who listens to this if you were in that airport and you saw what happened please for the love of God contact me tweet me at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd I'd love to get the story of what happened in that airport but go ahead Peter I'm dead. You know, Des Bryant isn't as good as he used to be in terms of his physical ability. And Des Bryant, at 100%, was still a giant pain in the Dallas Cowboys' ass. He was a guy who needed full-time supervision. Uh, And, you know, coaches don't like dealing with him as he's never afraid to basically, you know, show them up and throw a a full-on fit during a game because he's not getting what he feels like are his touches or whatever it is or they're not doing you know, enough to win the game or whatever. And his talent at this point, he's, I have no doubt he can be a productive NFL receiver for somebody. But at this point, you know, when you're, when you're that type of guy, the second you fall off a little bit, teams don't want to deal with you. And now you suddenly get treated like most people would get treated in a job environment where you know they don't want to deal with this type of person they're no longer worth the trouble they're not going to hire you so i would hope they don't mess around with des bryant i think he's limited to a slot guy at this point and they obviously signed jarvis landry and duke johnson can do that type of thing and richard higgins can do that type of thing so i don't uh i don't buy the idea that the browns are so much interested in this although obviously john dorsey addressed it i think this is more a connection of people trying to connect dots that they feel are there. There are other receivers, I think, out there that probably make more immediate sense to the Browns if they really want to add one, and I'm not sure that that's even necessary. I mean, Eric Decker, to me, is more of a guy you'd want to look at in terms of not only does he fit a different role, but if you're trying to get a, a more of a possession guy... Um, to just move the chains. Eric Decker's better at it than Brian is, uh, who's really underperformed the last few years. So, I mean, uh, I certainly wouldn't go this route. I'd certainly discourage the Browns from going this route. I think this invites more problems than it solves. And even if you're saying that you're going to sign him to a one-year deal and you can cut him at any time, I would stick with what they have. And if, if for whatever reason you get into a situation, let's you know in the in the event that Josh Gordon is gone for the year, use Njoku, use Duke Johnson, use the running game, use the you've got more than enough stuff on this team that you don't need a, you know to go out and get what you think is a number one receiver, which it clearly isn't at this point. If there was a number one receiver on the market, they wouldn't be because teams would be vying for their their job. This is getting desperate to try to find something that that everybody addressed already and this is leftovers yeah and and this kind of you know i totally agree with you as far as the with des it's a question of the talent the physical skills the production you're going to get where you go home at night and you know a gm's got to say to his wife my god this guy is a pain in my ass yada 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 but you want to know what he puts up 1400 yards and 10 touchdowns a year Des Bryant is not that guy anymore. He is not even close 
couldn't even come close to a thousand yards last year. And this is a team that had you know lost you know with the Cowboys lost Ezekiel Elliott for the amount of period that they did. So you know his number was not being consistently called. He was not consistently putting up the numbers. The explosion isn't there on the routes. I mean. Dez was never really the greatest of route runners anyway. He was a big physical body, knew how to get himself, position himself between the defender and the ball. But, you know, once the skills are kind of got, I mean, what God gave you diminishes. I mean, you kind of got to look at what, you know, the negatives were because now, you know, not the surplus athlete anymore. Um, and Eric Decker, I mean, that would be an interesting name because he's going to do in the 15 to 20 reps he gives you, it's going to be everything he's got. Des Bryant, it's gonna if it's not his number, you're not gonna get 110% of them. And look, I don't care if he's on Instagram wooing with you know, you know, with the guys that are here in Cleveland now who they are. That just let that nonsense stop. Um, even still, you know, receivers, a lot of receivers will become available over the next five weeks. So look at a kid who's 23, 24, who was in a position where there were just too many guys and he wasn't able to get a shot because he couldn't perform on special teams. Um, it's still not as barren as it was last year where Deshaun Kaiser walked into the huddle each week and said, nice to meet you, my name is Deshaun Kaiser. What is your name again? So it's not as barren as it was then. Obviously a lot here is still on Corey Coleman. Um, you know, It's positive to see that Corey Coleman is putting more of an emphasis on his career, on his body, and, and trying to understand that it's third year and you know maybe Corey understands now that it is now or maybe it could be never for him in his life. So that's something you got to look at there, uh, guys. Um, you know, full on, uh, guys. The Indians looking uh, looking very very well. Left side of the infield, locked on Major League Baseball. Anything you need, guys, go ahead. Take a peek in there in the Locked On Network, Locked On MLB. Uh, find a favorite team. Go ahead, follow along. Check out great shows over there. Obviously, if you you know, some of us now we're kind of shifting into full time football mode. But if you still have the time and you want to be able to balance all you know your baseball and your football interest, Locked On MLB, check it out. Now, Pete, obviously, now that we are here into a full-time camp, um, the lists that have been going around, obviously, I know, I know it's gone big through Twitter. It's you know breakout sleepers, those type of things. Um, as far as this roster here, and the one thing we're worried about, obviously, still is the interior defensive line. So, actually, before we get to those list type of things. Jonathan Hankins, still available. Last show we did, because I was actually going through some notes, we were talking about Jonathan Hankins. And now here it is, July 26th. Jonathan Hankins. Buddy, do you want to go to camp? Do you want to play some football? Do you want to at least make some freaking money? Why don't you come up? Cleveland, let's go. What do you think? Well, he's a 320-pound guy, and not all 320-pound guys really want to go to camp. Uh... So I'm not I'm not surprised he's still out there. Uh, you know he's a guy who can obviously fill that nose spot. Would give us a freaking wall if they want to put Ogan Joby at a three type deal. Uh, but I mean, look, he's a guy who can sort of his leverage gets better as teams either have injuries or find out that the guys they have there aren't what they thought they were. Um, I expect he's going to get you know come in late on some one or two year deal somewhere for for a nice chunk of change and just be asked to come in and, and clog and he can do a little pass rush stuff as a nose but you know there are no if you ask those guys that are that big if they're looking forward to going to two a day type deal or a three day or whatever the, the NFL even with their relaxed rule you're still being out in their 
sweating your butt off uh, for hours and hours doing meetings and all that stuff. Guys aren't necessarily excited about that, especially when your role is such uh, a relatively small one as his is. But, yeah, I'm with you. I've been with you. We've been on this as a guy who could really help the Browns if they want a veteran who can really improve an area that I believe and I think you believe is going to be an issue. And certainly, you know, Larry Ogunjobi is a guy I really believe will take a huge step forward. But other than that, I feel like they've got a bunch of role players in there. And Hankins is a guy who could come in and really uh, help them, give them sort of, you know, it may not be where they want this defensive line to go long term, but it gives them an obvious identity for what they can be right now, and they can sort of adjust around it, really just clog the middle, free up those linebackers in a similar but not entirely uh, identical role as Danny Shelton was. Uh, but even if it, even if you're saying you could get a Danny Shelton-type guy for a year, there are more than a few people who would have loved that to keep him this year just because they didn't uh, really address uh, his absence and th- this is a guy who could certainly do that and, and give you uh, the Browns with this what is hopefully a healthier year better improved defensive line especially on the ends to really get after it and that could certainly make them better and look and, and this is where you know Hankins is probably going to find himself if he can get himself to a long term deer long term money is show up ball out on a one-year deal, and then maybe somebody's being willing to cut you the check. Because your options are where you can play are most likely teams that aren't really in contention, have the extra cap space, so go take a one-year $4.5 million and try to earn yourself something long-term. All right, now I was talking about the list here that's been getting, you know, big on Twitter. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys. So Pete, you better be ready to have seven names ready for you. Um, you know, Breakout guy, Cleveland Browns. Go. Oh, it's Miles Garrett for me. I, I think I, I I think you and I agree on this. Uh, even at twenty one years old he was the best player on the team. Uh, with an with an ankle, with all all that was going on, only played twelve games, all that stuff. He was the best player on the team. The he day is the, the day Joe went down, it was there was no debate anymore. Yeah, you're right, right. As soon as Joe Thomas went down, it was it, he became that guy. Uh, I expect, you know, I think he's going to be a superstar this year. I, I don't know if that's going to be, you know, the gaudy sack number. I think he's capable. I think he could put up his age, honestly, in terms of sack numbers, just on ability. But I do expect him, He, I would not be surprised. Assuming he plays 16 games, I think he could easily get uh, about 14, 15 sacks and do all the other stuff he does. Uh, I, I just this is this is where you're gonna see just how special this guy is. Okay, next one, comeback kid. Uh, in that vein, I'd say Corey Coleman. I I, I think uh, you know as much as I, I I crush Jarvis Landry, and I'm happy to do it. Uh, if the stuff about him helping Corey Coleman sort of fix his diet, uh, nothing amazes me more than these young 20s guys who can eat basically grease. <laughs> and go out there and play at a high level. Uh, the idea that now you're taking this guy and, you know, at, he's 24. I think people forget how young he really is. Um, that, like, uh, the dude out of Alabama in the draft last year was, like, six months older than him. Uh, that type of thing. He's, he's still a very young man. Uh, if he has, if Jarvis Landry has taken him under his wing, so to speak, and is sort of getting him to really 
buy in and focus on that uh, on the game, and then he gets health health uh, on his side. I think he's going to be scary good, even if he's a number three guy and, and somebody who can be a playmaker. Even even in what he was, uh, he's he's been you know stuck with terrible quarterback play, uh, and he's been a consistent chain mover. So get him the ball, get him a better quarterback, and now you you have potentially two and three guys who demand more attention than he does. I think he can really find a nice niche in this offense and become. A really, really nice player that you know makes people sort of uh, justify that first-round pick. Well, I mean, and the other thing is, that, look, I mean, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, a couple of pieces of grilled chicken and a salad. Uh, the cost isn't that much different than a sack of burgers and fries. So, I mean, good on Corey to, to, to put all the emphasis and the chips in here. Next one, uh, this one, this one, I, I probably already know the answer. Rising star. Um, whew, that's a good question. Uh, probably David Njoku. Uh, I think I think he he should again playing time accounted for. I think he will easily double the numbers he put up last year, uh, which is what like like thirty. I think he had like thirty catches for four hundred something yards or whatever. Uh, I think he'll easily get to sixty catches. I think he'll get you know close to seven hundred yards somewhere in that and a bunch of touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, and and so much of last year was that like he was a predator and his shimmer made it impossible for for uh, Deshaun Kaiser to find him wide open down the middle of the field. I think he's going to become a more of a focal point as he should be. Uh, and tight ends not an easy position to learn in the NFL. You're young, uh, your body's going to fill out naturally. The guy is just one giant ab at this point. Uh, they look angry. Uh, I think he's going to be just. I think this is where he's going to be a giant star. And he, you know, again, it's mini camp. There aren't pads on, but he was an absolute nightmare after the catch. Well, and the other thing is, look, I mean, if he can work, you know, the you know fifteen to twenty yard range, whether it's between the hashes or wherever it is, you know, that's going to cater to a Jarvis Landry. It's only going to make Duke Johnson's life easier. And uh, you know, like you said, obviously the physical physique. Uh, David Njoku shows up to the beach shows up to the pool, uh, everybody else put your shirt on and uh, grab your girl and go home because it's just not going to work. It's just not going to end well. Rising star for me, I, I, I have no problem with the Njoku, but uh, I want to I want to put Larry O there. If he gets the snaps, he should Oof, be mentioned yeah. there as well. Um, next one, do not forget about... I guess I'll say Jamie Collins, and it's, you know, a lot of people were critical of him. I think a lot of it was Greg Williams using him poorly, like basically backwards. Um, I think people forget just how special he was in that when he was with the Patriots, he was basically one or two as far as the best linebackers in the entire NFL, and certainly being coached by Belichick helps. But he was a great, great football player, especially a coverage linebacker. He would take guys out of the game, um, and I, and I, you know, this is make or break in some ways for him. And I and I and I think in some ways, they 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 picked Jannard Gen- Avery not only because he's a good football player, but I do think it. And, and I'm not suggesting that they're they're saying this for this year and next year necessarily, but I do think in the back of their mind somewhere they basically have to be thinking that. Well, if Jamie Collins can't do it to the level we want, which is basically warranting the pay he's got, 
Bingo. And Jannar and Avery can do it at a even if he's not quite at the same level, but at a you know bare minimum rookie contract. That's where things get sort of interesting. But yeah, I, I think Collins is a guy that that be, and I and I think this is a positive in general for the Browns. There are so many things to be excited about with this team, which is nice to be able to say in its own right that we're forgetting about guys who had legit star power. Yeah, and the thing, I still remember, it was, uh, you know, the Colts, you know, used to have the nice little, you know, first-round playoff win. Then they'd go play at New England. And, and there was one of them, I forget the year, and I, I really thought Andrew Luck was going to go in there and pull it off. And Colby Fleener was one of his huge targets at the time. They kept putting him out wide, play after play. And Jamie Collins just literally dogged the living daylights out of him, and basically made Kobe Fleener disappear. And one of you know one of the guys who uh, texted me today about the show, you know, are they going to be able to cover tight ends this year? Jamie Collins, crucial in that aspect. You know, Jabril Peppers probably another guy as well. But th- those guys, th- those are the guys you're going to look for to do that. And look, Jamie Collins is an afterthought. A damn good football player is an afterthought. Could be a scary, scary thing. Needs to rebound. Uh, well, I mean, everybody, because the team went on 16, but... <laughs> right. I'm trying to think who really had, like, a super poor year that, I mean, Jamie Collins would be, you know, fit that that as well. It's, um, also tough, it's also tough, though, because, I mean, you think about, obviously, defensive players, and a lot of it came down to the D.C., obviously. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess Demarius Randall would fit into that, uh, and... and, and you know, it's a different deal. He went. For, he's going from corner back to where he played in college, a free safety, um, and they've already you know picked up his option. But this is an audition for him to you know make something of his career. Um, and if you know, even if they're paying him next year, if Demarius Randall isn't good, they're going to be looking to you know get more help there, potentially replace him. Uh, you know, this this system certainly seems like it's going to fit well because he's a guy who loves to go after the football uh, and this defense should provide opportunities for that but there's no question that you know it's a different deal it's he, he wasn't here last year he was with the Packers but he's a guy who's really trying to fight for it and he seems to be embracing the hell out of this which I, I like is he is a guy who really needs to have a good year next one dark horse MVP um, I, I dark horse MVP for me would be uh, would be uh, Nick Chubb, and it's just because they have not had a guy who was so good about attacking the proper hole, being physical, and then you add in his physical ability that even if he's not really the MVP of the team, it could you could easily see a scenario where that guy runs off runs for like even just 900 yards and it you know and and they've got a very successful rushing offense and it feels like he's the guy sort of you know the rising tide that's lifting all boats type thing and that it, he opens up opportunities for Duke Johnson he opens up opportunities for the play action he opens up uh, plays for for receivers out wide that he may feel make it feel like he's the guy that's sort of putting all these things together that are hitting on their own accord that really aren't him, but it may feel like he's the guy that's sort of making all of it go to work. Um, and not 
to bust your bubble on you, Nick Chubb Love. I'm actually going to put Duke Johnson in this spot. Because if Duke Johnson is going to kill you underneath, and this is obviously assuming, you know, Josh gets himself straightened out, gets back here, performs like Josh Gordon can perform when he is fully mind healthy, body healthy on a football field. You know, Duke Johnson is going to break off some plays because you're going to worry so much about the vertical of Duke Johnson, I mean, of David Nojoku, of Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, you know, Jarvis Landry. Once Duke Johnson gets cooking, then you're going to have to worry about Duke Johnson. And then, oh my God, it's going to be so much easier for a quarterback to get the ball vertical when you have guys have to worry about the fact that if Duke Johnson catches a five-yard pass, it's going to turn into a 30-yard gain. And now we're going to go to the last one. Under the radar. Under the radar. Under the radar. Um, I, I, I think the guy who's under the radar uh, is Brian Body Calhoun. And, and for whatever reason, there are people out there that are like trying to get rid of this guy or the feeling is that because they brought in all these other guys um, – that somehow the Browns are going to move on from him. And I don't see how in any universe that's going to happen. I think he's going to get extended as soon as they can, assuming he doesn't you know, suffer some serious injury. Uh, he's been outstanding, and he's a guy who doesn't get enough credit. Now, the one thing he can do to help himself is there have been a number of plays where he you know, had his hands on the ball, could have, could have made you know, game-changing interceptions where – uh, at least on, I think, two of them. If he had caught it, he was gone. Uh, and that's going to be sort of what vaults him from a very, very good player to sort of being recognized as a great player. Um, I'm going to go a little bit off the wall here, and this isn't so much being due to his on-field play. This is just what he's going to do. Um, look, Joe Thomas was a huge part of this offensive line. Who's going to be the guy to keep this core together? So I'm going to go Joel Batonio here. Is he going to be the guy that's going to be able to sit down with a Sean Coleman after a bad game and say, look, here's what I see. If you want my two cents, here's what it is. Um, Austin Corbett, obviously, you know, uh, obviously from the same university, you know, is he going to be able to sit down with him and say, look, I know you're not playing a lot right now here, but I want to make sure you see everything that we're seeing. So I, I, it has nothing to do with Joel. Obviously, Joel's a fantastic left guard. But somebody's going to have to be the linchpin here. Somebody's going to have to run this offensive line room, run these offensive line meetings as a player. So Joe Petonio, can you take the torch from Joe Thomas, keep this group together, get everybody on the same page as far as understanding and working together and, and understanding the common goal of it? Uh, we're about to put a bow on this soon here, guys. Locked on Browns. Uh, episode 204, I do believe, can't preview. Uh, you know, Pete Smith, with, uh, Pete Smith with us here from obviously, you know, from NFL Spin Zone. Pete, uh, as we go here the next couple of weeks, w what do you want to see most? Obviously, Baker's progression, you know, we're confident in. Obviously, we understand that the emergency break is kind of on him. But what, you know, as far as this team and, you know, now that the fact that you can look at a running back core that's complete, you can look at a wide receiver core as long as Josh makes his way back is complete. A nice-looking tight end unit. The offensive line, you know, six, seven, eight guys deep. Obviously, the defense, everyone healthy. What do you want to see here over the next couple of weeks? I think the biggest thing I want to see is the rookies, particularly those first-round picks from last year, sort of grow into what they need to be and what they sort of have put the, put themselves out there to be in terms of 
you know, quote unquote, changing the culture and, and putting them on, you know, a path to being a good, consistent football team. And, you know, Miles Garrett, I think, is in a great position to do that. But that, you know, that's David David Njoku. He's got to take that big step forward in that capacity. And then Jabril Peppers. And if he, you know, if Jabril Peppers is a, you know, that that strong safety guy who can cover tight ends and, and make those plays in the box like uh, – like like we saw him do in college, then I think that just creates so many opportunities on this defense with a bunch of guys who can attack um, and and defensive packages that they can run. Um, that that would that will be a major boost to this team, and I think if that happens, then then you've got a real sense of this team being able to. Uh, really make a lasting change and obviously everybody's going to focus on quarterback and Baker Mayfield and all that stuff but that may be deferred for a year where these guys have to be productive, good even great players soon if not right now I do agree and now what I'm going to go with is here is you know Guys, everybody starts to seem to be blowing up a little bit today uh, you know, Antonio Callaway ran right past you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, ran right past Ward for a touchdown today. Well, let's see. Once we start getting the games, guys, there are a million people at camp. Hard Knocks is at camp. I don't think anybody wants to be showing game plan stuff right now. So what I want to see as we start to get to preseason games is, are we going to start? Please, Greg Williams, I'm begging you. Can we start getting to the point where these guys are playing the roles they're comfortable in? Denzel Ward, no. Given a cushion, it's not his game. It wasn't his game. That's why he wasn't. That's why he was drafted as high as he was. That wasn't his game. Are we going to get him closer to the line? Get your brill closer to the line. Let him get a little physical. Let him get a little bit nasty. Let these guys do what they do best. And look, guys, first day of camp with a million people there, cameras rolling. Everybody's got their phones out. The hard knocks there. The cameras cruise everywhere. It's not go, you're not going to see. They don't want to show this here. I go back years and years ago. Mike Martz coaching the Rams, and this they at the time I think they had Stephen Jackson, and I think they drafted Pete. If you remember, it was a Trung candidate out of Arizona, and one of the guys who was a playing camp, and the guy asked him, you know, asked him afterwards. So what was that like when you put the two of them in the backfield? What are you going to do there? And Mike Martz went ballistic. They're not going to show you everything. That's why stuff happens behind closed doors, because they want it to be authentic when it goes into gameplay. So, guys, don't get too blown out about stuff you're seeing in camp. They're letting you see it for a reason, because they know the entire world will see it within 35, 40 seconds. Pete, anything you want to close with? Uh, or is the work that's going to be coming forth here for the next couple of weeks? Uh, I mean, I'll be at training camp this weekend uh, before we start our two days, so that'll be going there. And then I've got – I'll have to write a bunch of stuff here shortly because uh, I've been sort of busy with everything else. But, yeah, that's that's basically what's what's happening. Do me a favor. Uh, you know, shake Jake Burns' hand. Uh, give him a hug. I mean, the newborn at home, man, it's got to be tough on a guy. It really does. Trust me. Trust me, it does. He is one of many people I'm supposed to see when I'm up there. Nice. Uh, and, guys, everybody, Pete's going to pick up the check, so enjoy that, guys. He's going to take care of all of you. Uh, guys, this has been Locked On Browns, episode 204. Always, I want to thank Pete Smith. 
Uh, obviously, you know, all the work over at NFL Spin Zone. Uh, you know, Pete, you know, may lose him a little bit here early in the year. Obviously, his high school football picks up for him. Uh, but, you know, appreciate the work. Make sure you guys read him. Go ahead and follow him at Pete Smith, uh, you know, the Abbey. Everybody knows it. It's never been changed, so go ahead and take care of Pete like that. Follow the show at Locked On Browns. We always keep it a follow back account. Follow me at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, uh, we're just getting going here. We're just getting started, just cutting our teeth in all this. Uh, we're going to obviously have us a blast, and like I said, we're going to see where this 2018 journey takes us. Uh, until the next time, let's go Browns.